Beautiful stories make the world go around, and so does saving a life. Guys, I, I want everybody to go out right now, register today to donate to a blood cancer patient. This is a really good thing to do. A blood cancer patient who needs you to give them a second chance at life. You'll receive a swab kit in the mail. You swab your cheeks, you send the samples back, and you're good to go. It's simple as that. Just think, if you become a donor, both you and the patient you save will surely have one hell of a beautiful story to tell. Register today at dkms.org slash beautiful. That's B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L. Or text STORIES to 50555. For more information, message and data rates may apply. This is the thing you'll do if you're a good person. I'm into this one. Thanks to Magoosh for sponsoring today's episode. Magoosh's online test prep is the easiest way to prep for the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, SAT, ACT, T-O-E-F-L, or Praxis. The last two I'm not smart enough to even know about, but if you are, Magoosh can help. Magoosh offers top quality lesson videos and practice questions all at an affordable price. Go to magoosh.com. That's M-A-G-O-O-S-H.com right now. Get 20% off with code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. Hello, world who's staring into a lake of fire. I wish I knew how to speak in tongues so the tongue-speaking people amongst us could hear it, but uh, you'll see what I mean. Beautiful Anonymous. One phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. You got gathered on the main line. Tell them what you want. Gethered on the main line. Tell them what you want, but don't say your name. And uh, we'll just blow with the punches. This week, we got somebody who grew up in a very intense culture and who has some very intense personal stuff, but who's more than willing to share. Perhaps the most willing sharer I've talked to yet. You'll hear in the early parts of this call, it's it's me uh, trying to listen and also uh, slow things down so I can consume all this information. But I want to thank this caller for letting us know what it was like growing up in a very... uh, specific and intense religious atmosphere and how unwrapping all that has gone. This is, I think there's now a religion trifecta. We've heard from, the, uh, from an Orthodox Jewish man, we've heard from a Mormon, and now the Pentecostals. It's, uh, the Pentecostals are now going to tweet um, slight trepidation and anger at me. Very, very happy to hear, all jokes aside, very happy to hear about another glimpse into another culture I'm not a part of. It's one of the best things about this show is that I get to hear from all these people about their lives. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hey, how's it going? Oh my gosh, is this Chris? Yeah, yeah, this is Chris. I am so glad to finally connect with you. I feel like I I know you. That probably sounds really weird, but... (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. You sound Um, really nice. I I like to think that's nice. <laughs> um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you pretty good. Okay, good. Um, so I, I don't have anything, you know, specifically in, in particular to talk about. Um, I, I introduced myself as a bad preacher's kid, um, and, and I am. That's so, how you introduce um, yourself to but, people? No, that's how I introduced myself to John. Oh, um, oh when you when so, you patched the thread. <laughs> oh. Yeah, when you patched it through. He's like, do you have something to talk about? And I said, yeah, I'm a really bad preacher's kid. <laughs> wow, okay. What's that, um, what's that entail? 
Well, um, so I grew up, um, my dad was a Pentecostal minister. Oh, wow. That's and, hardcore. Uh, so I grew up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who are you telling? Um, and uh, his dad was a Pentecostal minister. And Whoa. my mom's dad was a Pentecostal minister. Whoa. And um, so about as far back as you can go. Yeah. And what's Pentecostal is like fire and brimstone, right? Oh, yes. Total fire and brimstone, speaking in tongues, falling out in the spirit, um, all of the charismatic aspects of it. And, you know, there's there's some really beautiful aspects to it as well. Um, and I don't necessarily, like, regret my upbringing or wish that it hadn't happened. But it was also fraught with a lot of uh, anxiety and fear and uh so I have fought that um, pretty much my entire life. I'm just having my 39th birthday. Oh, happy so, birthday. Um, thanks. Um, but so I have this really complicated relationship with the church because I grew up in this really fundamental, you know, very hardcore, um, repressed Protestant upbringing. And, uh, moved a lot. My dad, apparently Jesus wanted to take us to lots of different churches. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we moved a lot and I uh, went to 13 schools. So learned how to, you know, kind of put myself out there. And um, then when I was 29, uh, actually had a breakdown, like a mental breakdown. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, lots of my therapy was spent talking about you know, the fire and brimstone and that sort of stuff that had been uh, put in my way as a kid and had really kind of shaped my emotions and my um, emotional response to everything. So um, had a had pretty much a complete breakdown when I was 29, lasted for about six months. Um, and then uh, it's been 10 years, so that's good have continued my treatment. Um, in 2012, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder. So Sorry. Um, had, had a little hiccup there. <laughs> but, you know, it's been great. Um, it, it, since then, uh, once I finally found a doctor that would listen to me and um, believe what I was saying in terms of my symptoms or how I felt or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, and they, they put me on a mood stabilizer great ever since then oh that's um, good congrats not that i don't have ups and ups and downs but you know yeah so i'm on the mood stabilizers i feel like yeah yeah they uh they saved my life for sure um which what do they got i, I you didn't on? have any well uh well, oh me too yeah every it, morning it every night <laughs> i'm a once a night girl yeah nice um, like so it. if I take it in the morning, it, it makes me sick to my oh, stomach. That but, sucks. Um, yeah. I just, I was five minutes well, late today because I had to drop off for my refills. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, you can, you can do the electronic refills now, right? Yeah, but like my insurance, my, my insurance, it, they, they, it, it's cheap if I drop it off, but they charge me a lot if I do the, if they get it mailed to me. What? Yeah, it's garbage. It's, it's usually, yeah, it's usually the opposite. So, you know. Incidentally, here, how, how thrilling am I? I grew up Pentecostal, I'm bipolar, and I work in insurance. Oh, so, wow. 
very <laughs> trifecta. What do you want to know about about uh, your your prescription benefit? First of all, but, uh, if your company is willing to sponsor this podcast, I'd love that. <laughs> if we, I'd love that because sometimes I get hooked up with free swag. I've found that out since I started a podcast. Sometimes you get the free stuff. So if I can get a, uh, if we can get the makers of Lamictal on board, save me a lot of money. Well, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, the insurance company I work for does not uh, have anything to do with the production of Lamictal. If it did, I would. Um, no offense, but I would be first in line, and then I would pass along the leftovers to you. Fair, and I don't but, think um, I don't think we want um, mood stabilizer advertisements on podcasts either. That's... Probably not. Although you you do seem to uh, recruit the, um, the 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 sad ones. Oh, I already got that sure. demo on lock, though. I already got that demographic yes. on lock. <laughs> True. Very true. So I actually, um, I, I support um, a client that's about two to two and a half hours away and um, from where I live. And so I was in the car for a good four hours yesterday. So I caught up on all of my, all my beautiful anonymous podcasts. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm completely caught up. That's good. And um, so one of the things that I haven't really heard anybody talk about is um and maybe it's because of my background but just really the whole um the way that the church interacts with um people with mental illnesses sort of the the bias against it it's almost like it's a hyper um focused bias even more so than what it is in you know sort of just general society <clears throat> and that it just it it really bothers me it bothers me because you know I spent my entire life trying to um, live up to other people's expectations and trying to, you know, I said I was a bad preacher's kid. Um, for the first 18 years, I was a great preacher's kid. <laughs> um, and I, I was a people pleaser and I just wanted to do what everybody, you know, wanted. And um, now I look back and I realize a lot of those years were manic. And so uh, I was, you know, I was energetic and, uh, people like to be around me and I love to being the center of attention. And, um, you know, over course of years that led to a, a breakdown, not realizing that it was mania. Um, but I just don't, when I, when I broke down, I had so many people, um, tell me, well, why can't you just pray your way out of this? Why can't you just, you know, you're not trusting Jesus enough with this. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> um, I've been talking to him and he hasn't really been doing anything for me. <laughs> so wait, I want to slow down. I, I want to slow down. Let's slow down a second. Is that okay? okay. I, I want to slow down. Yeah, slow down. What is a, cause I grew up Catholic and in my experience, the way Catholicism works is you do it until eighth grade and then you get confirmation and then you largely never go to church again. And that seems to be pretty common amongst my Catholic friends. What is what is a uh, what's a Pentecostal ceremony like? Like, are we talking snake handlers? Where you guys snake? Isn't that like the most no. extreme Pentecostal? It, it, yeah, it, it, I mean, I'm not really up on my you know Pentecostal uh, church history yeah. very much, or or how it has devolved in the last you know <laughs> 10, 15 years or so. But yeah, snake handlers are—they uh, seem to be the most extreme. Set. You ever meet those? Snake, um, you ever yeah, come across the snake handlers? Did I ever read about snake handlers or, you ever or meet, see them? You ever I've meet, seen them on. No, um, no, I've seen them on TV, but I have no. I'm 
I hate snakes. You hate um, snakes. So. Now, on a, so, so where does the uh, where does your family's Pentecostal lie? Like how? Because snake handling, for anybody who doesn't know, there's 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 like very um, like specific sects that I think are ultra rare at this point, where people actually handle snakes and and I think like consume poison and stuff to show their trust in God. Yes, and then they die, and it's because they didn't have enough faith. Yeah, um, it's not because of the poison yeah, that they I mean, just they, chugged out of a Drano bottle. There used to be a, a show on, I don't know, A&E or something, one of those, and it was, you know, it was about snake handling um, preachers, and uh, I, yeah, I would watch that with great disdain. No, we're not, I didn't grow up that way, but um, there is no, so the, the Catholic Church, and we're, we're, I'm actually Anglican now, so I can, I understand the sort of um, liturgical aspect and the confirmation and the First Communion and all of that type of concept now, but um, I, I actually grew up thinking that Catholics were not Christian. Wow. Um, that's, that's what I was taught. And, um, but obviously, you know, have, have <laughs> departed from that way of thinking for sure. But um, we, you know, you, you go to church on Sunday night, I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you usually have a prayer meeting in there somewhere. Um, services last, you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Um it really depends on how the Holy Spirit moves. So if the Holy Spirit feels like you need to be in church for longer, um, that he's going to, you know, really start moving and everybody's going to start feeling it. And um, there's going to be some dancing uh, down by the altar or uh, maybe a lot of praying. And then when the pastor lays his hands on somebody, that person is going to faint or, or they're going to fall out in the spirit. Wow. Um, and they don't actually lose consciousness unless they hit their head on something. But um, they, uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen that happen actually too. <laughs> You've seen people but, get so overwhelmed um, by the spirit these, of God that they knock themselves out while falling down. Oh yeah, they fall down. I saw somebody hit the organ once, like fell out. <laughs> Technically, I suppose they would say they fell out in the spirit and they lost consciousness because they had head injury. <laughs> and how does everyone else so, react uh, when their head dings off the organ? Uh, well, you know, they pray harder for you. And then, if, you know, they regained consciousness pretty quickly in this case. But I suppose someone would probably call 911 if, you know, if it got too bad. <laughs> so it, it could hit a They're point. A... So it could conceivably hit a point where people are like, okay, God, uh, God knocked this guy out, but uh, we're going to need the ambulance to wake him up. Let's have God send the ambulance. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure what the threshold of time is on that. I'm not sure if you've got like somebody who hits clock in the back and they're like, all right, if he's not up in 20 seconds, you know, we're calling 911. Um, I'm not really sure, but uh, anyway, and then, you know, you, most of the time people just fall out nicely on the floor, but you've got the problem of these women who are wearing dresses and skirts, and then you, you can't be, you know, you, you can't be flashing your undies at the altar. So no, not at um, church. you've got these, no, not at church. Um, so you've got these women who have what they call lap robes. And they would go around and they would lay this little like um, sort of mini blanket over people's legs so that they can, you know, worship freely in the spirit on the floor without having to worry about being, you know, indiscreet. Wow. Now, that's so, that's a thing I've <laughs> never heard of. So they have an yeah, actual garment. Yeah, they have an actual garment so that you can be modest and roll around on the floor if the spirit moves you to do so. Yeah, I've never really seen anybody roll around. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to insult oh, yeah, my no, dad. No. No, I, I'm sure people probably have rolled around. Um, no, I, I, 
you know, they mostly just laid there. But the whole, there's, there's a huge aspect to all of that. And that is that, um, is the speaking in tongues. So are you, are you familiar with speaking in tongues I'm at all? I'm familiar with the concept. I've never witnessed it in person. I've only seen, uh, I've only seen, I think, uh, maybe some like movie versions of it, but I don't know what it actually entails. Uh, yeah, you could probably YouTube it, but, um, it, it's, um, so the, the concept is that the speaker, and it's not necessarily the pastor, but the person who is, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit speaks in a heavenly language. And um, then once they're done giving their, you know, it's, it's like an announcement, it's like they're making a proclamation to the, uh, to the congregation, but you can't understand them because they're speaking in a, in, in a heavenly language. Wow. So once they have finished, typically 30 minutes, um, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds to a minute, and then um, someone in the audience also interprets it. Wow. Um, so that is another gift of the Holy Spirit. And they will um, then tell the congregation what the Holy Spirit said through this other person. So is it like, um, is it, hold on, hold no. on, hold on. Let's take a breath. Let's just take a deep breath. <laughs> you got a lot to say. Mm-hmm. You got a lot to say. And I love mm-hmm. that about you. But we can't say it all at once. We got you. Got we got to no. take a breath because I got so many questions. So, so uh, does it sound similar each time? Is there like a, is there like a heavenly language that is a common thing, or can it sound different each time? Yep, it, it sounds, um, it sounds different. Uh, everybody gets their own personal uh, language because it is an individual gift. Um, so. You know, you don't actually sound like, now it may sound similar, um, but it's, you know, it, everybody has their own, their own tongue. Now, have you spoken in tongues? Have you, have you participated in this? I have. Um, I thought I was speaking in tongues. I'm not entirely convinced at this point that I was. So, but you're not unconvinced. Um, you're not unconvinced. No, I'm not unconvinced. I, well, let me put it this way. I don't think that I did because I think that a lot of this can be manufactured. In fact, I think most of it is manufactured. I think it, I think Pentecostalism preys on um, people who have um, bad emotional trauma or who have um, difficulty controlling their emotions. It's, it's shown to um, really appeal to uh, lower income families who have um, struggles and that type of thing, and so there, or who maybe have less control in their life. And I'm not verbalizing this very well, but the point is that um, they they feel like having that sort of emotional response and that remote emotional connection to God makes them closer to God, maybe. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, you feel pretty, you feel pretty close to God if you think you're speaking in his tongue, um, or if you're, you know, you're laying on the floor because he put you there, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very, um, it's energetic and it's charismatic and I can understand why people are drawn to it. So you feel um, like there's a lot, there's elements of people buying into this, like people, pe- oh, absolutely. people are buying in cause it gives them something and they want to believe. Because here's something I find really interesting about you, if I may. Here's something I find interesting about you. We've had, I think, I think we've had a couple of calls from people from different, very specific religions who have maybe uh, lapsed a little bit in that religion. This seems to be a thing that people 
uh, are comfortable sharing on that show. But you're someone who you're Anglican now, so you you um, you you just you just scaled back to kind of a more what I might what I think some people might say is just a, a more chill a more chill version of Christianity. Absolutely. So you didn't walk um, away from the faith; you just scaled it back. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, and you know, it's, I, incidentally, I have a, a great relationship with my parents still. Oh, that's um, good. We don't, you know, we don't see eye to eye on most of the Jesus stuff. Um, all three of my brothers are Pentecostal ministers. Come on. Um, Every male yeah. member of your family for three generations has been a Pentecostal minister. Well, I mean, if you want to get technical, it's four on my dad's side and five on my mom. What? So, yeah. Okay, so here. Let's, so you let are the black sheep. You are the black sheep of this family. Oh, I'm, I'm the total Anglican bipolar black sheep of this family. <laughs> I'm going to jump in right here because there's so much information coming down the pike. So let's everybody take a deep breath because you're about to hear more information about the many services and products that help support this show. A word from our advertisers. Thank you guys so much. Now, me, I'm, I'm a workaholic, big time, and I know I, stuff piles up. I feel like there's not enough hours in the day. And you know what I hate when I'm in the middle of a real busy stretch, being real productive, stressing out, working hard? It's having to stop to go to the post office. That's why I like stamps.com. It's a better way. You get the postage you need, the instant you need it. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer, your printer, and your home where you're comfortable. It's quick. It's easy. You save money, too. It's a fraction of the cost one of those expensive postage meters, and you get discounts you can't find at the post office. Highly recommend it. Highly uh, anything that helps me avoid the stress of the post office. I'm all about it. Right now, sign up for stamps.com. Use my promo code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer. Four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, including postage and digital scale. That's crazy. How often do you hear a bonus offer that's $110? Let's get it going. Get started with Stamps.com today. Within minutes, you'll be printing postage right from your desk. Go to Stamps.com. Now, before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in beautiful. That's Stamps.com. Enter beautiful. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace, a product I am happy to endorse and tell you about because it's great. Okay, Squarespace, whether you need a landing page, a gallery, a blog, or an online store, that's all included with your Squarespace website. It's very easy to use. I have used it myself, and I am someone who messes stuff like this up all the time. Squarespace makes it really easy. You add content, arrange content. You don't sit there spending hours figuring out how to do it. You get a free custom domain. They make that real simple. Guess how? They give it to you free for a year once you sign up. There's all sorts of templates if you want them. All of it happens without a single plug-in. None of this nonsense that's so hard to do. And if you run a small business... You have all kinds of commerce tools. You can track inventory, process orders. It's really intuitive, really easy. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business in nice, simple, clean ways. And my favorite of all, 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced, actual Squarespace user. How often do you get that? They work in a Squarespace office. They're not located somewhere randomly, not knowing the product that you're asking them about because they've used it themselves. And there's no dumb question, nothing trivial to them. Their team is there ready to assist you. Get it going. Start your free trial today 
at squarespace.com and enter offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com, offer code CG, like Chris Gethard, me, Squarespace, set your website apart. Let's go ahead. Let's get this uh, caller back on the uh, pulpit, so to speak. Let's go ahead. Let's get back to the call. So you are the black sheep. You are the black sheep of this family. Oh, I'm, I'm the total Anglican, bipolar black sheep of this family. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to say, do you go to church, do you go to Anglican church every week? Every week. So by the standards of my family, you would be by far the most religious person my family had seen in, in a couple generations. But by the standards <laughs> of your family, they think you're like a, he- a heathen who has rejected God. Oh, yes. How yes, it- I, have, I have thought... Yes. Um, and I, I got to be perfectly honest. I have not actually told anybody that I'm Anglican. Really? So if they know, no, we, we just don't. I'm telling you, we don't talk about it. All right. So here, let me give you another aspect of all of this. I met, I've been married for almost 17 years. I met my husband um, when, when he was a freshman in college and I was a sophomore in college. And we went to a university that was associated with the denomination we had grown up in. So... Like good Pentecostal kids, we showed up at school and, uh, you know, most of the other people had grown up very similar to, to the way that we had. Um, so my husband comes from the same tradition as well. And his dad was not a minister, but his grandfather was. And um, so we have this very, um, this goes way back in both sides of our family. So my kids have like both sides of their family are just entrenched in this, this Pentecostal uh, upbringing and belief system and, you know, in way of, of um, maneuvering. And so it has been, we, we haven't been Anglican for very long, but we've gone through various sort of stages um, of and, and I'm so grateful. I, I'm so, so grateful for my husband and the fact that we have grown away from our traditionalism, but together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so we've kind of both given it up at the same time, kind of come to terms with some of the things that we were maybe taught that we didn't feel like actually were right. <laughs> yeah, what triggered that? What triggered you? How did you guys, so you, you're still, you're in college, you're in an environment that's still very driven by the Pentecostal faith. You both step out of it together. What triggers that? Is there a specific moment or are there specific conversations you remember? No, nah, I wouldn't say that anything specific. Um, I, I think that it really, um, we started toward the end of our college um, and then, you know, the, when we first got married and we're out of school, because <clears throat> keep in mind, you know, we were good Christian kids. So when you get married, I mean, you know, when you're that young, you get married so you can have sex without getting in trouble for it. So, you know, right. you, you get married 21 and 22 pretty much so you can have sex without, you know, anybody uh, getting mad at you. But, I've, read, um, I've read that at some colleges <laughs> that are sort of like driven by um, like more um, – evangelical Christian faith. So like kids will sometimes get married their freshman or sophomore year while they're still in school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Probably because they can't control their hormones. And so they don't want to go to hell for it. Yeah. So they'd rather marry somebody they don't really love or marry somebody and have a really hard life. Just to you get, know. uh, just to, I, just I to some... get that, just getting the, <laughs> just to be a freak in the sheets, just to be a freak <laughs> in the sheets. 
but legally. <laughs> yeah, legally in the eyes of God. Illegal. Yeah. I'm going to be a legal freaking machine. Yeah. Um, both in the eyes of the state and the church. Yeah. A lady um, at the altar and a freak in the sheets. I think that's how that song goes, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently you can be as weird as you want in the bedroom as long as you're married. Is that true? Is that like an unspoken part of the Pentecostal faith or is that just you? You know, getting married young. And um, we started, you know, I mean, we once we got out of school and we started kind of getting jobs and building a life and, you know, getting on with the business of being grownups, we started, you know, branching out a little bit. Like we would go listen to maybe somebody at a different church or something. And um, there was one guy in particular that really impacted our lives. It, I wouldn't say it was all at one time, but um, his name is Stan Mitchell. And um, so if anybody wants to look him up, he, um, he introduced us to some, some writers who honestly their books sort of changed our perspective, but I wouldn't say that it was all at one time. It was really over a course of years, we just took in what they were saying and it, it just kind of, I don't know, it resonated and it changed, um, changed my perspective, changed the way that I kind of thought about God. God had always been this real um, mean, you know, spiteful, kind of God, he loved you. He sent his son to die for you. But if you sin, you know, that's big shit. And we just can't, we, we can't be having that. Um, and if you, if you die without asking for forgiveness for something, well, really bad that you had a good life, but you, you fucked up right before you died. And so, you know, sorry, but you're going to hell. That sort of like, you know, fundamentalism. And uh, I just really started realizing that maybe God is not that spiteful. Maybe he's not really that small. Maybe he's much more gracious and loving and accepting than we have given him credit for over these decades of my life. And um, I, I just, I mean, it just, it just kind of changed. And it was a slow change, but... Over time, and so, like, have you ever read, um, you know who Anne Lamott is? Who's that? Anne Lamott? Anne, Anne Lamott, yeah. I know the name, but I don't think I've experienced anything of their work. She's a great writer. Um, a guy named Frederick Beekner, spelled Buechner, but pronounced Beekner. Um, Henry Nowen, who was a, uh, he was a, a Catholic priest that um, actually left the faith. And so all, all of these guys, you know, and of course, because Christian, you know, I grew up thinking Catholics weren't Christians. It was scandalous for me to read a book uh, by a priest wow. and think that it had any religious, any religious merit. So wait, as but, somebody who grew up Catholic, what are they, what do they think, what do they think, uh, what, what, do, what do Pentecostal people think Catholics are up to if they're not Christians? I don't know. Do they think it's like some know. secret society, like some papist, <laughs> some papist plot to overthrow the world? world? I, that it's the praying to Mary thing. I think that's really what, you know, what kind of wigs them out. Oh, they don't like the feminist um, aspects. No, I don't know if it's the feminist aspects. And the saints? The anything besides Jesus aspects. Oh, it's the idol yeah, worship. The I mean, it's the it's, idol worship. Yeah, the idol worship. They, they don't know what to do with the idol worship. Yeah. So. So wait, um, I got to ask. I got to ask. So, so Christmas dinner, Christmas dinner at your house. We're talking grandparent preachers, uncle preachers, cousin preachers. You got any yeah. cousins who are preachers? Absolutely. Everybody's a preacher. 
I have cousins who their job was to work for a ministry and monitor a prayer line. So that all they did was pray with people when they called in. Like a call-in prayer line. Yes. Wow. So this is I, – I, I now we found something where I identify with it. I feel like that's what, I, what I'm doing. But for, um, but, but for more sad, disaffected, slightly liberal people in the Right. But then you only tweet out your number every once in a while. Yeah, God's <laughs> on call 24 hours a day. Yes. Jesus, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Wow. So what's, what are, what's that's Christmas a, that's dinner? That's a song, by the way. What? Oh, that's an actual song. That's not just the thing you said. Yeah. How's the song go? How's the song go? Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. I'm Jesus not... on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Wait, this is a religious <laughs> song encouraging people to call a religious hotline? No. No, it is a, it's a song about telling Jesus what you want. Oh, so it's just, it's, this it's, is not yeah. an advertisement for your cousin's prayer hotline. No. This is just a more general <laughs> no. Jesus on the main line. But that's not how it's sung. What's the yes. tune? What's the tune? You're holding back on me. Uh, I do, all right. All right. Fine. And, and okay, so it's um, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. And then, you know, you've got the drums and the organ and the tambourine and all the people dancing around the altar. And wow. it's, 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 really, it's really quite energetic. You, I will tell you something. you got a great voice. And secondly, Thanks. I will tell you this. The melody of that song, if you had, made me, if you had told me to guess very close to what I would have guessed, <laughs> the melody of Jesus on the yeah. main line. The hit single. Well, I wouldn't say that it's altogether creative, <laughs> but it's effective. Yeah. So. Wow. So, yeah. so walk me through. Do you still do Christmas with your family? Do you still do holidays with your family? Yeah. How intense is that for you? Have, um, you know, it, it's it's not bad. Um, it took me a long time to be able to kind of navigate with them in terms of not getting sucked into their, um, maybe their more Pentecostal aspects of this, but keep in mind too, I grew up in it. So I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it or believe that way anymore, but I'm, it doesn't like freak me out, you know, but it's okay. So one time, <laughs> one time I was a little freaked out because at Thanksgiving, my grandpa was praying over Thanksgiving dinner and he started speaking in tongues. And, and you know, I mean, I, like I get it, you're thankful, but Thanksgiving dinner seems maybe a little <clears throat> out of sorts. You it's know? not Did a we religious have to holiday. Speak in at Thanksgiving. <laughs> and now wait, you said you have kids, right? Did I hear you right? Do I remember that right? Yes. Yep. I have a 13 year old and a seven year old. Now, when your 13 year old and your seven year old are 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 they're present, I would imagine for this Thanksgiving, and uh, and somebody breaks out in tongues, how do you explain it to them? What do you tell them? Yeah, well, they 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 actually weren't born yet when uh, when Grandpa did that. But, oh, okay. Um, they have visited some um, just very recently. My parents have moved um, closer to us, close enough for them to be see my kids on a regular basis. And so, um, you know, we we have a very great relationship with them. It's not that I I don't like want to restrict their involvement or anything like that. I mean, they're, they're I have a wonderful relationship with my parents, um, but. 
they, you know, so like this a couple weekends ago, uh, my husband and I went to a concert. And so we were like, hey, can you, can you keep the kids? And um, so they went to church with them on Sunday morning. And we picked them up. And my seven-year-old said, you know, mom, it was weird. Like, Papa just kept saying the same thing over and over again, but just louder each time. <laughs> wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a good description of it. <laughs> saying the same thing over and over again, just louder each time. So what I mean, concert you know, did you go to? Old. I hope it was like a Norwegian black metal band. I hope you go to like... like. It, it wasn't, man. I can't... I, I've listened to your podcast and, and I, I just can't get on board with your music taste. I'm sorry. But it was Band <laughs> <Raymond> Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> No way! I don't. I don't play Norwegian black metal on the podcast. I play shell shag. Shell shag's the best. You're no, not no, done no. with the I'm shell shag. I'm, I'm talking. No, I'm talking about your. You know, you you always are talking about bands or you know your tweets or or um, you know you're looking for bands or somebody's coming to play on your show or you know. And yeah, I've, punk I've never rock. heard of any of those bands. That's okay. Yeah, and no offense. Um, hey, no, I but, don't. You know. Hey, listen, if you ever get on a game show where you have to answer questions about 80s or 90s contemporary Christian music, yeah, I am your phone a friend. I'm your phone a friend. Wow. I'm your phone a friend because I was, I was not allowed to listen to anything but Christian music. And is so. that what you still listen to? Hell no. Hell no. See, just right there, just you uh, yeah, saying okay. the words hell no. For most, for the first three <laughs> decades of your life, that was out of bounds right there, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't grow yeah, up saying the word I, hell no. You got 11 preachers jumping up from the uh, Christmas table <laughs> yelling at you in tongues. You say hell no. You say hell no when you're growing up. You, see, you just hear a variety of God languages coming back at you with anger. Yeah. Well, I said fuck earlier. Did you not catch that? You said fuck? Yeah. Hell yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, you are I the did. black sheep. It, I am. I have a truck on my house. I really do. That's but, okay. Um, wait, so what music do you like? What, love- wait, wait, slow down. Slow down. You got so much to say. You're the most energetic Christian. You're the most energetic Christian. <laughs> You're the most energetic <laughs> Christian I've ever met. Um, With a trucker mouth. <laughs> yeah, you got a trucker mouth and a lot to say. So wait, what music? You don't like my music. What music were you going to? We were going to see the Avett Brothers. I don't know who. I'm not familiar. They are a. Um, I guess they would be called Americana, kind of bluegrass. Oh, that's cool. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, they're yeah. a band out of out of North Carolina. Well, you like Morrissey? So, Morrissey's um, British. He ties into your Anglican thing. That's my. Uh, Morrissey is. Yeah. I, that's my I'll guy. Go, I'll go listen to more. I'll go listen to more when I get off off the phone. But isn't he pretty maudlin? Like, haven't you said that he's pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's got a song about, he doesn't like the church, so he got a song called Vicar in a Tutu. <laughs> I could probably get behind that. Although my father probably wouldn't, well, uh, my, my priest, I should say, not my father's father, but my right. church father. How, how'd you settle on the Anglicans? Why'd you, why'd you go Anglican? What appealed to you about that? Um, I am... Um, I, I'm an, I have a degree in English, and I love to write. And there is something about the liturgy that is so moving and so beautiful and so just soothing to me. 
Um, and there's something about, so all of my life, the um, sort of the religiosity or the um, the tradition of the liturgy was, was you know, just that, that does not leave room for the Holy Spirit to move. You're pre-planning what God wants to do. You know, we just, we're just not going to, we don't pre-plan anything. Um, and there's something so soothing to me about going in and they hand me the, you know, the, um, program for that week and, and I know what's going to get said and so I can concentrate on those words and what they mean to me and how they speak to me and um, without worrying about like am I going to have to you know clap a whole lot today because um, you know when we sing we clap <laughs> in the Pentecostal church right? or is church going to be two and a half hours today you know I mean it, it, it's um, <laughs> what I have what I've, what I've realized is and this is on a more serious note um, I, I'm, I'm stable, um, bipolar disorder is stable, but anytime that I, um, am around that much energy for a long time, it, it makes me feel manic. So I don't go into it. It's not like that, you know, but it, it, it overstimulates me. Oh yeah. And I have a hard time. I have a hard time coming down from that. Cause I can say we've and, been talking for 35 minutes and I can say, and this is judgment free. You have a lot of energy. I have learned that in our thirty-five minutes together. You uh, you you uh you come out of the gate with the energy. So I would imagine, as someone who has some similar issues, that if you get if you get some fuel thrown on that fire, that can get out of control quick, huh? Well, yeah, and most of this is nervous energy right now, quite honestly. Oh, that's I mean, fine. Yeah, um, but yes, I mean the rapid speech, the you know, all of those things are things that I fight on a constant on a constant basis. And so if I'm in too um, engaging or too overstimulating of an environment for too long, I, I can't, I have a hard time coming down from that. Going to go ahead, take a quick break. Uh, I'm sure some of our callers have religion in their lives. Some of them don't, but all of our callers need products and services in their lives. So we're going to go ahead and hear from some of the fine sponsors who help make beautiful anonymous happen. Blue Apron has been such a good game changer in my life. It's so awesome. Me and my wife, we get the box, we get excited. The, the recipes are really easy to follow and we get together. Like a husband and wife, we sit down, we make food. It's a great, great part of our week every time we do it. Blue Apron's awesome. Everything's humane. They work with local farms, fisheries, ranchers. They really try to do things right. They try to really limit their environmental impact and, and support Local businesses, it's a real cool thing. They bring together your family. Like I said, I can vouch for that. They've done research. Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Super cool. You save a lot of money that way too. It's less than $10 for a meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients. It's very easy to do, very high standards. I love it. Some of the meals available in August, spiced pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salad. Summer vegetable and quinoa bowls with fairy tale eggplants, shishito peppers and corn, chicken tinga tacos with summer squash and tomato salsa. Can't beat that. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash beautiful. You'll love how good it feels, how it tastes. You'll love to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash beautiful. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We're going to go ahead now and get back. To the phone call. That's me trying to use my preacher voice. I don't think I'm as good at that as the caller or her brother are. Let's get back to the call. 
So your so, mental, so your actual I, chemical breakdown, the religion you were born to, the original, the religion you were born into, and the actual chemicals in your head were not a good match. You were born in, you had a couple competing no. things you were born into. I did. So it's yes. like Lamictal and the Anglican Church. Those are your mood stabilizers. Those are my mood stabilizer. Well, there's some Prozac thrown in there for for good measure. Which oh, nice. Apparently, is a weird. It's a weird combination, but it helps keep me stable. So they're not they're not taking me off of it. I but, do the Lamictal um, and the Wellbutrin. So I also th- I feel like yeah. the Anglican Church is socially much more liberal than a lot of Christian faiths, right? They are. Um, they're not quite as liberal as the Episcopals. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, um, they're, they're sister churches, basically, but the Anglicans have been pulling away from the Episcopalian Church um, in the last few months because the Episcopalians have taken such a strong stand on the um, LGBT, LGBT rights and marriage and, you know, that type of thing. Um, and the Anglicans aren't quite ready to make those concessions yet. Um, so, and in, in actuality, we found our church because we were looking for an Episcopalian church. Um, so we just moved where we lived six months ago and uh-huh. left a, <laughs> we left a situation where we had actually, oh God, how am I going to tell you this story? Um, I like that. That bodes well. Yeah. So um, we, we got married and when we had our first kid, we moved to where his family lives um, to be closer to family and kind of, you know, have our kids close to their grandparents and, um, while I lived there is, um, and it's in the North and it's cold and clearly I have a Southern accent. Um, I did not fit in well and, um, it snowed six months out of the year. And, um, what I realized now is that the whole depression, um, bipolar, eventual bipolar di- diagnosis really kind of triggered from postpartum depression. Oh yeah. So I had my baby have my baby and then move to this place that I hate. Um, all bad combinations. Um, Where is it you know, snowing uh, six months out of the year? Michigan. Michigan. So you moved from the south yeah. to straight up, what, UP, Upper Peninsula, are we talking? No, no, it was Metro Detroit. Metro Detroit. Oh, wow. So you moved from the south. Was it a more rural area where you grew up? Yes. And now all of a sudden you're in Detroit. It's cold. You have babies. You got the postpartum. You got the seasonal affective. Yep. Go on. Go on. And I have a boss that's an asshole. And okay. it was like the perfect storm. So we've been there two years before I really cracked. But that's where I that's where I had my breakdown. And what did? And, um, what's the breakdown entail? Can I ask? Yeah. Um, I well, so. Um, I didn't really know what was going on and never had any psychiatric treatment or care or really had any psychiatric problems that I was aware of before. And so um, I just knew that I had this like continuing and increasing sense of helplessness and sort of doom. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to explain how that feels exactly, but just that like that pressure in your chest um, and it's anxiety and you just, it's like, you just, you don't know how you're going to, get out of it. Um, and so one day, one day I was at work and I just picked up my purse and uh, I said bye to my coworker and I walked out and I never went back. And, um, I did something that was really difficult. Uh, now I, because I have always worked for insurance companies, I've always had great insurance, which is a perk. 
Um, so I had disability insurance and uh, I filed a claim, which was great because uh, it gave me 100% of my salary for six months. And so I had an advantage that most people don't have. Um, I didn't have any sort of financial problems from having this breakdown. Um, it allowed me six months to get treatment and really just kind of focus on getting well. But I got to be honest, I, I really don't remember those six months. Um, my daughter was three, and uh, I don't remember anything that happened to her during that period of time. You don't remember um, six months of your life? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was 10 years ago this month, so it was June to December wow. of 2006. And uh, I know, I mean, I have pictures from that period of time, so I know that, you know, I mean, but I, have no, I have no recollection, no wow. memory. Um, I, I don't know if I just buried it or if, I don't know. And, you know, when you first go in and you've never had psychiatric treatment, they start you on, you know, they, they start with one, and they're like, all right, let's see what, how this does. You know, I would, I would be okay for a few weeks and then it would, you know, I would crash again, a few weeks and crash, a few weeks and crash. I've seen a psychiatrist once a week and therapist twice a week and narrowly missed hospitalization. And, um, I wouldn't say that I was actively suicidal. I certainly had suicidal ideations and I did not want to live. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any way to, uh, and I'm truth be told, I was probably too scared to do it to myself, but. Um, I couldn't sleep, and so they they gave me um, Ambien, and all it did was make, I would sleep 18 hours a day, and then I would stay up all night. Wow. And um, so I got this complete, completely ridiculous cycle. And uh, my husband, <laughs> he, uh, this is not the one thing I can't talk about without crying. He he just took care of it. Um. He is the most amazing, uh, loyal, loving person, and I, I have the pleasure to be married to him. And he let me recover for six months without having to worry about anything. And he took our daughter to, to preschool every day and picked her up every day. And he, he must have taken care of her because, I mean, she lived through those six months and I didn't do anything. Um, and I can't. I just, I, I can't thank him enough for that. And it makes me so sad when people don't have good support systems um, and, you know, and the resources to, to get better. Um, it just, that, that kills me for them. Absolutely. So after six months, um, I, you know, started, I, I was feeling a little bit better. It's, it kind of stabilized. I mean, I'm using that word loosely, <laughs> but it had gotten better. And I was like, you know what? I I, sh I should really try to find a job. Um, let me let me see what I can do. And so I got I got hired, and uh, I worked at this job for about four months, and then I fucked up really bad, and I didn't know what to do about it. So I just left. I was like, nope, I'm not going back. Um, I didn't know. I, I I felt myself falling again. Really, is what it was. And uh, I didn't I didn't know how to cope with the you know, with the rejection or the anxiety of making a huge mistake. And so I just, I just pretty much walked out. And uh, about six months later, the office manager called me back and she was like, we really need some help. Is there any way you would consider coming back? <laughs> so I went back and then I left again. <laughs> wow. um, so, you know, just not, not stable. I wasn't making good decisions. I wasn't, you know, um, I decided during that period of time 
that I was going to be a photographer. Um, and so I started buying equipment and I had a credit card that my husband didn't know about. And, um, so I, I bought about $25,000 worth of equipment, um, and was like, I'm going to be the best photographer in the world. And, uh, didn't really happen that way. <laughs> Never even made enough to, uh, you know, to, to say that I was even making a profit. I'm not even close to making a profit, but not even enough to say that I was successful. And so the fallout from the, you know, financial aspects of that, um, it, yeah, that was, it was hard to tell my husband that I had $25,000 credit card debt that I now didn't know what to do with. Um, and that would likely affect our credit. And, you know, so, um, he, he paid it off. He sounds like an enabler now that I say it. <laughs> really not. <laughs> he sounds like a, he sounds like a dude who's had your back pretty hard. He, was he was he pissed off about that debt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a normal reaction to it. It's not like he was like, "All right, cool." Um, no, <laughs> so he's I mean, not he, a pushover. He, he got pretty. No, no, he's not a pushover. Um, but he is a uh, he is what I would say fiscally conservative. Yeah. Um, if I'm being if I'm being mean, he's cheap. <laughs> so, um, but he's been, he's just very conservative with his money, our money, and uh, so you know he 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 took it in stride though, and um, he you know he let me make that mistake and helped me get through it. He didn't just continue to bash me for it, or you know and. Uh, that's that's actually what I just told you is not something that I, I tell most people because um, it's, it's I really have some shame tied around that. But around what the photography um, equipment or the in general that stretch of life? Yeah, the, just just that well that stretch of life, and I'm pretty open about it. In fact, I just started a blog about it. But the the whole, particularly the photography and the financial aspect of it, for some reason that is a that that is more shameful to me than maybe flaking out on some stuff and having trouble, you know, reconciling my emotions or stabilizing myself or you know, any of that kind of stuff. For, I guess maybe because I don't know, it just, it was really reckless and I, I still have um, a lot of, a lot of shame tied to that. Um, That's but a it's funny because yeah, well, I mean, we, you know, we paid it off, and truth be told, I mean, he, he is a, he is a damn smart guy, and um, so we're, we're in great shape now. I mean, we're, we're in great shape, and we paid it off, and we both have excellent jobs. Um, my kids don't want for anything. They don't understand not having the cool jeans or <laughs> the kids. I always wanted kids when I was a kid, but um. I like that. You know, Your kids get the cool jeans. Yeah. You grew up. They you, do. They get the cool jeans. Can I ask, can I loop it back around? Because that's fascinating. That is a, that is, you have lived an intense, it sounds like intensity is a defining aspect of your life, I would say. Absolutely. Can I, can I ask a, another Pentecostal question? Can I loop it back around to the beginning? Sure. So you said like, like the length of the length of services is de, dependent upon what God's asking for that day. And sometimes it'll be an hour. Sometimes it'll be two and a half hours. Is there any time mm-hmm. where God ever just feels like it should be 11 minutes long? Are there ever times like that? When you're a teenager, when you're a teenager, are you ever like, hey, God, doesn't God want to get out of here as much as I do? Aren't there ever stretches like that? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, um, Father Quinlan, you always tried to go to Father Quinlan's ceremonies because he was about 89 years old. His ceremonies were 15 minutes tops. 
You'd be eating that communion. You barely had a chance to kneel and get back up, and you'd be eating that communion wafer. And then you worship yep. a couple. We worship a couple of our idols that make us uh, heathen Christians, and then we go home, go play basketball in the church parking lot. Yes, in the church parking lot. Um, Shout out to Father Quinlan, although we, he's almost definitely dead by now. Has to be. Most likely. Has to be. Um, he's 110 it, years old. Well, you should look around because I know, you know, you said you don't practice very often, but if you if he was still around, you might could tolerate his his services. His ter- his services were the best ones, better than Father uh, Hansen for sure. Uh, now I'm just talking. Now I'm just talking shit about Catholic priests in New Jersey from the '80s. I don't think I'm. I think there's actually people with a lot worse to say about Catholic priests from the '80s than I just did. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna feel so bad. I'm not gonna feel so we're, bad. We're just gonna back this right up to the weird Pentecostals. Um, no, it never lasted 11 minutes. It was an interesting phenomenon, though, because sometimes, um, and so. It, you know, most kids, their weekends were free time, right? That was their family's time to be together and go to on trips and that kind of stuff. And weekends were always my dad's work time. Right. So we never did anything on the weekend. Yeah. And Friday night and Saturday night, you know, he was preparing his sermon for Sunday morning. And so it was, it was hardcore. And you, did, you didn't talk to dad. He was busy talking to Jesus. And he had important shit to say the next day. So you don't, you know. Here's something I just noticed, too, is that you said you're a writer now. It sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. But I would also imagine you did grow up. Technically, all the people you grew up around, they're writing sermons. They're writers on their it – is, it is – you are in the family tradition in a certain way. Sure. They're gifted. My brother, particularly, my brother is a gifted speaker. Really? I mean, he – oh, yeah. Gifted. I mean, he can – he – he has what we call preacher voice. So he'll be talking to you in a normal voice and he'll be talking about, you know, baseball or, and they're all huge sports nuts. So they'll be talking about something, you know, really, and he'll laugh. And then if something needs to be said about God, his whole tone changes and it gets this deep sort of raspy Jesus voice. And it's, it's his preacher voice. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I love him, but it's, it's just odd. It's this whole sort of dichotomous life where you're one day you're, you know, watching baseball and the next minute you're talking about Jesus like this. And, um, so I don't remember what your original question was, but I forget too. I've been, that's, I was was blown away by the preacher voice. Do you feel like your background, (laughs) do you feel like your background amongst, does it, does it help fuel your, your writing? Do you feel like it ties in? Of course it does. And, you know, I, I struggle with because I would really, really like to write about all the madness um, of growing up in a Pentecostal environment. And madness. Of, you know, I love that you said madness. What's the craziest shit you've seen? You just said all the crazy. What's like the thing? What's the thing you saw or heard growing up where you're like, oh, well, that's the one that left the most scars. Can you remember any incidents where like things were just said? Yeah. Um I'm never going to be able to tell my mom that I did this podcast. Um, the So my mom was very, um, you know, my, my childhood was very fire and brimstone. Um, and so we uh, were spanked a lot. We got spanked for, you know, and it was very methodical. It was put your hands under yourself and bend over the edge of the couch um, so that, you know, I don't hit anything else besides your bottom. 
And, uh, you know, then we would get a certain number of licks for the infraction. So, you know, infractions carried certain number of licks. And um, we, I remember one time in particular, somebody had lied about something one of my brothers had. And so she lined us all up and she was like, okay, who's, who, who did this? And uh, nobody would fess up. So she whipped us all. And then she said, um, now, who, who did it? And finally, I said up and I said, I, I did it. And she was like, all right, well, you're, you're, get, you're getting a spanking for being a liar as well. I'm, I'm making her sound very calm during all of this. She was not calm. Um, and so she turned the gas fireplace on and bent me over a chair and um, told me to look into the fire because that's what hell was going to be like. And then whipped me while she told me the um, verse of scripture where it says Satan is the father or Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. And that all liars would have their place in the lake of fire. Um, How old were you? So, yeah, I was about 11. Wow. That's, that's a lot right there. That's a lot. And when you say whipped you, do you mean, is that just like term for spanking or were you being hit with like a stick or something yeah. just spanking no, it was a belt it was a belt it was a belt i was being whipped with a belt so mm-hmm. you're 11 your mom made you stare into a fire and hit you with a belt and told you that satan that that was a lake of fire and that's where sinners go mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a bit too much by modern standards <laughs> that is Probably. a bit too much for someone living in 2016 <laughs> to have lived through you think so? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was bizarre. So, how long have we been on the phone? We've got seven minutes left. But I'll tell you what, I feel like it's oh, it's, it's flown by. You may win the award for Dude, most gonna... most said in fifty three minutes. Awesome. Uh, I've never really had a problem talking when I felt like it. This is gonna. This may be hard for you to believe too, but I'm actually fairly introverted. So <laughs> I. Um, <laughs> you know, Everybody, everybody laughs when I say it. Everybody does. But, I can't um, imagine what you're hiding on the inside if you say this much on the outside. Well, I'm I'm very open. I feel like that, and this is a very sort of recent, well, it's not too recent, but in, in the last three or four years, I've really come to the, the um, agreement with myself that I will share this, that I will share it because there are too many people who don't have the resources that I did, that I'll advocate for people to have access to appropriate and good psychiatric care and affordable psychiatric care, that people will have access to, you know, medications and that they will not be penalized for it. And that we will start to little by little chip away at the the stigma that's associated with mental illness. And I mean, as far as, you know, I've read books about people's manic and depressive episodes and, you know, it's not, it, it was never that severe. I mean, it affected me, it affected my family. But, you know, I never put anybody in danger or anything like that. Um, but I, nobody should have to have to struggle this way. And here's a staggering statistic, Chris. On average, it takes seven to ten years for someone to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder because they don't typically go to the doctor when they're in their manic phases. And if they do... They're, they seem okay, unless they're, like, severely manic. They show up when they're depressed, and they just get treated for depression. And so uh, 
you know, it goes a long time before somebody sees those cycles. Treatment provider sees those cycles, and they can get the care that they need. Yeah. And I just like we've got we as a society have to do better. We we just have to do better. I agree. Um, I encourage you to preach, preach, preach. When everybody has access. That first of all, I agree completely, one thousand percent. I agree, and I feel like I'm similarly someone who um, has has publicly advocated for things, but. You know what I just noticed? You just went into preacher voice. You just went into a very close version of what you uh, what you had uh, explained as your brother's preacher. You went like, there was a point where, like, do you want to hear a staggering statistic? You have your own. You have your own <laughs> message. You have your own message that you're getting out in the world. It's a great message. Sure, I do. Yeah. And you're, you're using the um, preach. You're using I, the techniques you've my, been taught over many generations. Well, my kids call it my client voice because my voice changes when I when I'm speaking to any of my clients. But, um, but what they do is they know if they get in the car and I'm on the phone and I'm talking like this, you know, then I'm talking to a client and they have to be quiet. Um, but I just, I'm sorry. I mean, I feel so incredibly passionate about it. No and apologies. It's, a, it's like this, it's this slow burn that's there. And I think the slow burns are the best because they don't just flash up and you don't just, you know, um, act on impulse. You, it's this, it's this constant sort of, it, it may be low sometimes, but it's this constant burn of desire to make sure that, you know, this, this thing gets noticed that this thing is going to, and to me, that is, that was indicative. I spent so much of my life fighting impulsive, um, aspects and fighting, you know, the impulsivity to make bad decisions or really. And so if something has been consistently, um, burning in me for a long time, like I, I, I just, I can't ignore it. I mean, that's, that's gotta be something significant. I get it. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna get told. Um, I don't know what kind of form it's gonna take. Um, and I, I don't know. So, that's cool. We'll see. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I know I, I had so much trouble, um, diving into treatment for my mental health issues. And I grew up in North Jersey, uh, lapsed Catholic in, a, in the Northeast, where it's probably the most <laughs> accepted and part of culture. I can't imagine being growing up in, in the rural South amongst a family of preachers in a culture where they tell you God is, is responsible for solving all your problems. I can't imagine how hard it was. It was hard for me, and I got it easy compared to you. Yeah. Well, and I think that it gives me a bit of a unique perspective on mental illness. I mean, there's not um, there's not many people out there, at least that I have come across anyway, that are advocating for the, the church to have a different response to mental illness. Um, and I just, I, I think we're just, we're doing everyone a disservice by not opening up about it, by not talking about how real it is, by not sharing our stories and, you know, um, and you've got all the vulnerability people out there. So Brene Brown, and Glennon Doyle, Melton, and, you know, all, all of those, um, people are advocating for, you know, being yourself, opening up, being vulnerable and what that means in society and how it's actually healing and, you know, all of that. Um, and I just, like, I, I got to get on board with that. Yeah, and it's got to be hard. Has, it's, is it hard? It's got to be hard. We only got a minute and a half left, so this isn't a fair question to ask. But you got, you've got some resentment, it sounds like, about the way the church runs, but your family are people who help run it. That's got to be. That's absolutely. tough. Well, look, we got about a minute left. I want to say, I, yeah. uh, I, uh, I don't think, I don't think you're gonna, I don't think you're gonna wind up in a sea of fire. You sound like a good person who's trying to help people. 
I don't think you're going to wind up in a sea of fire. That's brutal. That sounds like I don't know that any. What's that? I don't know that any of us are going to end up in a sea of fire, but. Yeah. So you're calling, you're calling bullshit on all that, all that old school stuff. I am. I am. I'm calling bullshit on it. And I want to tell you that, you know, it sounds cliche, but I think what you're doing is amazing. So. Thanks. It sounds like what you're doing is amazing too. It's, I think uh, it sounds like there's not too many examples for people from your world of people like you, and I'm glad you're speaking up about it. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And Jesus and the Anglican Church. <laughs> Good luck to you from a lapsed Catholic. Yep. Yep. All right. Peace be with you. And also with you. Caller, thanks for thanks for telling me about Pentecostal religion, Anglican religion, your opinions on the Catholic religion, on photography, on writing, on mental health. You had so much to say. Very happy to be someone who's built a platform where you're able to share all that stuff. And for uh, for an introvert, you were sure extroverted. So thank you so much for calling. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to the Reverend John Delore. Thank you to Greta Cohn. Thank you to Shell Shag for the intro music. Uh, Shellshag's the best. Despite what our caller said, she can't get down with my music. Maybe you can, and I recommend Shellshag as the best place to start. If you want to know more about me, go to chrisgeth.com for my tour dates. I'm always out on the road doing stand-up all over the U.S. And this summer, I'm in uh, Ireland and Scotland. Scotland for all of August. Edinburgh Fringe. Come on out. I'm scared I'm going to sell no tickets. Maybe you can be the person to help sell the tickets. TheChrisGethardShow.com for info on my TV show. And if you like the show, seriously, review it, rate it, subscribe on iTunes. It helps so much. Keep spreading word. You guys have been so kind, so supportive. I'm so happy to be at the helm of something cool here. And and let's keep spreading word on it. We'll see you next time. Today's episode is brought to you by Magoosh, online test prep for the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, SAT, ACT, TOEFL, and Praxis, some of which I am not even smart enough to know about the existence of the test. They can help you with the content of the test. It can be hard. It can be hard to find the time and money to prepare for standardized tests. Magoosh offers a better solution, affordable, effective test prep that's 100% online. Log in anytime, anywhere. Use your computer, your tablet, your phone. You get to study when you want where you want. Magoosh's complete test prep, it starts at under $100, and they guarantee you'll improve your score or they'll give your money back. Go to magoosh.com right now. That's M-A-G-O-O-S-H.com. Get 20% off with code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. Now, you might you might be thinking about coming back or maybe not coming back to this podcast, but I'm going to tease you. I'm going to give you a little bit. Here's what you might hear next time. You know, I'm, I'm laying there. He looks at it. He's like, oh, it's definitely dislocated. Um... You know, and your muscles have just seized up. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, put you on an IV. And at that point, it was a small room, and there was maybe like seven or eight people in there. I'll and tell you, I, I can you feel... Know, like, everyone was, like everyone was touching me. I and, bet every listener, everyone listening to this... Yeah. I was going to say, I think every listener to this, I can feel everybody's asshole tightening up as they're wondering when the actual pop back in happens. Continue. (laughs) Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. My name is Katie Couric. 
I love to talk and I love to ask questions. Have you always been a feminazi like me, Rebecca? Yes, I was born a feminazi. There is so much coming at us fast and furiously every day, but I don't think anybody's explaining it very well. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Right now in the polls, Hillary beats Donald Trump. I know, but polls schmoles, Esther, right. to go a little deeper than the wrestling match that you currently see on cable television. It does make you think that what we do here is important to generations beyond us. So listen, subscribe, and let's help each other figure out what's going on. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.